Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. So now we're going to read the Bible. Amen. That's always good, right? We're going to read the Word of God. Me, me and Brother Steve have preached this back and forth, up and down, like from this passage, so we're going to find another part of it that we haven't... Uh, we haven't nailed to the wall yet. Luke 15, Luke chapter 15 and verse 11. Luke 15, chapter 15 and verse 11. <clears throat> this is the third parable. He said, then a certain man had two sons. Somebody say two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Give me, give me my money. He said, so he divided them his livelihood, the father divides his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country. There he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Old, the KJV, old KJV says, um, riotous, riotous living. So, um, prodigal living with, you know, just rebellious, away from God, not doing the things they knew to do, with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want which means he, he was desperate. He was hard up for cash. He ran out of, of his inheritance. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the paws that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? Somebody say, Servants. I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm going to make this decision. Uh, make me like one of your hired servants. I have a proposal for you, God. I have a proposal for you, Father. I'm, I've decided um, that I have, I have disqualified myself, and I now will make the judgment. I, I'm not worthy to be a son. I'll be a servant. And he arose and came to his father. We were still a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy. Somebody say worthy. To be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Tell you what, you remember, you remember that wagyu we've had back there? It's been grazing in the back pasture. It's his time. That wonderful, that, that fatted calf. Bring it out. Let's kill it. Let's eat. Let's be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and he drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked him what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. Thank God for a father with grace. Coming out to where he was more than he ever did for the younger son. You know that? Sometimes we don't understand how much grace we're actually operating out of. We want to be judgmental. We don't understand what it took to get us where we are and what it is that retains us where we are. he said to him, lo, these many years I have been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came home, you're not my brother, by the way, 
right? You ever read that? He said, as soon as my brother came home, you know, he said, this son of yours, I don't even want to be associated with him. I'm not even going to call him brother. As soon as he came home, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatty calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Amen. Praise God. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you for the reading of your word today. God, help me in my weakness to just preach what you would have me to preach. Let the anointing flow, oh God. Let the power of your Holy Spirit lead God and direct. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I, I, I want to do some, some teaching today. Um, I don't think my title, Graphic Sister Charlotte, I don't think that came through, or did it? It might be in the, in the email. So if not, it's all good. It'll, st- it'll still preach. Amen? I want to preach on more than a servant. More than a servant. Now, we do serve, right? You know, like the Bible does, you know, Paul calls us servants, even goes as far as to call us, you know, um, slaves, you know, bond slaves, slaves, you know, who, who love our master, and that's why that we serve him. So um, the, uh, the verbiage is kind of in and out. Uh, we, we understand. Um, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. We understand that um, we, we do serve the Lord. We, are, we do serve him. We are servants. Um, but that is not exhaustive when it comes to who you are to God. Just a servant. You're more than a servant. You're more. You know, whenever, uh, whenever in, in the Old Testament, you know, whenever a servant would choose, and Paul's talking about, you know, a bond servant, you know, a servant of love, someone who after, like, the agreed amount of time, he would choose to stay with the master out of love for him because he said, in your house, this is where I want to be. I want to be a part of what you're doing, and I don't have to be here. And so this is a Jewish custom, and they would actually do something pretty brutal. Um, they would uh, take an awl. You know what that, Ben, you know what an awl is? Like, with, with a wood... Yeah, like one of those. And they would put it right there. And you got your ears pierced. Like, you know, it's right there. Just do it. Just do it. Do it quick. You got any ice? Put it in my ice. Okay. Ready? Three, two, one. And then, boom. Punch a hole. Hole punch. Right through the ear. That sounds insane, doesn't it? And it would mark them permanently as a servant who belonged to him. And a lot of good things came with that. That meant that um, he was a part of this man's household. He, he had his blessing. He had his favor. He had his protection. And so you, you didn't wear that like a shackle. You wore it like, you know, a, you know, a thing of pride because you had chosen to be a part of this man, of, you know, this, this master's household. But you're more than that to God. You're more than a servant. You're a child. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're more than a servant. Servants don't get the things that we get. Servants don't receive an inheritance. You know that? It's not how it works. Not uh, not in uh, not in biblical times. Um, as a matter of fact, Abraham says to God in Genesis uh, 15 and 2, I believe he's talking with God. He's like, "Why I have not had? Ha- why have I not had a son? Why I have not had a son?" Um, because you promised this to me, you know, this child, um, that he would be the inheritance. Abraham's going to ha- eventually have, you know, Isaac, and then Jacob will come from him. And he said, you said you were going to establish me. You said that you were my children, my descendants, were going to be like the sand on the sea and the stars in the sky, and I don't even have one. Matter of fact, my heir to all my estate, all my wealth, everything that I have, is Eliezer of Damascus, my servant. And see, in, 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 in the Bible, we read that's a problem. That's not a good thing. 
he, this is a complaint that he's making. He doesn't want to leave that to a servant, to someone who's not a part of his legacy, part of his line. Um, and then God obviously provides an heir. Sons and daughters receive an inheritance. But here today, let me just zero right in on what I want to say. There's about three things that I really want you to take home. And I'll take a roundabout way to get there, but this is the deal. Um, God loves you. You need to get saved if you're not saved. Because he loves you. And every mistake, every in and out, every problem he saw, he had foreknowledge of, he saw you leave, he saw you come back, and he, and he loves you. There is no such thing as too many times. And, the, and that, that young man, that new guy who was, who's been hooked on every kind of drug in the world and stolen, went to prison, and I said, buddy, he said, how many times can I be forgiven? And I said, well, Jesus had that question asked to him. And they said, seven times, because that was a big number. And he said, seven times 70 in a day. In a day. So come on. Come home. Come home. Come home. Number two, you, returned child of God, have got some stuff waiting on you. And that's what we're going to get into. Get some stuff. You got some stuff. The first thing he says, bring out the best robe to put it on him. Bring out the robe and put it on him. Cover up everything else everything else and put a new robe on him put new you know, clothe him from something from my house the robe that signifies the righteousness restore him to being my son I don't want him working out in the stable just doing the thing you know only with the servants restore him so people know and they see and they understand that his righteousness comes from me he's my son you're his son. You're his daughter. You're not a second-class citizen. No matter what is in your past, no matter how many mistakes, and no matter when you made them after you had come home or not, you are the son. And he said, bring out the good stuff. Bring out the robe and put it on him. Put it on her. Amen? Bring out the robe. God the Father provides a robe of his righteousness for every one of us. This is important. Let me give you a little side note. That robe didn't come off nobody else's back. Right, So whenever you see somebody come in and then God is blessing them, he is ministering, he covers them in his righteousness, his favor, and you know, his, his presence, uh, that didn't come off your back. That robe didn't come off you. And it cost you nothing for God to love them, for God to forgive them, for God to raise them up and bless them and walk with them and raise them and establish their goings and call them and anoint them. It didn't cost me nothing for somebody else to be blessed. Woo! We, but we do think that, and God, God threw a little parable in there just in case, so, so we can track back to it and be like, okay, there was, a, there was a bunch of guys. One started work at 6 a.m., and he was just busting it all day long. Another guy comes in at 9, which is still moderately early. Another guy comes in right after lunch, you know. With, you know come, she's starting to work in the field of this master. So now there's the guy at 6 a.m., there's the guy at 9, there's the guy who's just coming off lunch who's, you know, just, you know, talking through burps. He just had lunch, you know. He's just he's not worth much, you know. He's just... Uh, Okay, and then here comes a guy all the way at the end of the day and said, hey, you guys need any help out there? You locking up? What are you doing? Yeah, get that. Isn't that annoying? Yeah. It's like, you guys something working? And so, and, so, and so the master's like, you know, all the other guys are like, yeah, we got it, thanks. 
could have seen you like literally like 15 hours ago. But yeah, we're good. We got it this far. You know, we're, we're literally just locking up. You know, he's like, oh, I could lock something up. And the master says, well, everybody's working for 100 bucks a day. Come on. Yeah, it's time to earn it. You go ahead. You lock the door. And the other guy's like, are you kidding me, dude? Are you kidding me? And then everyone's dishing out the money at the end of the day. It's like, oh, thanks. It was a great day. I bet it was. But God, Jesus rebukes them and says, what comes out of my pocket and goes to somebody else didn't come out of yours. Woo! The anointing, the forgiveness, the calling, the favor over their life, that didn't come out of your pocket. That came out of mine. And the best way to make sure you never walk in it is to act like that. That robe didn't come off the other son's back. He already had a robe. Sometimes we fall into the trap of believing that other people's blessings come at the expense of our own. Lie from hell. Lie from the devil. The robe of righteousness of God, when he puts it on you, you are no longer to function on your own personal authority, your own personal testimony, your own credit. You're now functioning for God. Amen. Hallelujah. So we got the robe. He said, bring out the good robe. Put it on him. You have the good one. No, not that one. Not that one. That, that, one, that one smells weird. Put, get the good one. Get the good one on the back. That one, the one we've been saving. There you go. Put that on him. Number two, he said, put a ring on his finger. Put a ring on his finger. See, I told you God's got some stuff for you. Put a, put a, put a ring. The, the ring is a signet of belonging. And a matter of fact, going back to Eliezer of Damascus, the guy who I told you um, was the servant but not the heir. Okay, so he actually goes to find, um, he, he goes to find an, an heir or a, a marriage partner, an arranged marriage for the son that finally came. Which is like a really weird thing to do. It shows the humility of Eliezer. Because that would be like, a, you know, something I'd be salty about a little bit, right? I'm like, okay, well, I, you, like five minutes ago, I was actually the heir to like this enormous fortune. And now here comes little twerp. Say, oh, yay. I'm so glad God blessed you. Now I get nothing. But he's a good servant. He's faithful and blessed. And so he goes to the far country and he finds the right woman um, that God, that the Holy Spirit has led him to. And so then he does something important. He puts, um, you know, these gold bands, these rings, you know, arm rings, but it's still the same deal. Ring, ring. Um, and it meant something. He put them on her and then she willingly entered into covenant um, with this family, with this man that she's going to marry. And Eliezer kind of facilitates that. The Holy Spirit will facilitate the relationships that you, that God will call you into. Amen. Trust him. He'll lead you. Amen. So the ring, it's a signet of authority and belonging. When Eliezer puts the rings on Rebecca, she was brought into covenant with Isaac. And that did some cool things. You know what it did? Whenever, the ring, whenever you see that ring, the, the enemy knew not to mess with her. Other guys who came along, you know, who was like, you know, who's looking for a pretty girl, be like, hey, girl, oh, oh. never mind. Never mind. Because you got the rings on. You got, you, you, got, you got the sign of covenant on you. Now, if you were going to rob somebody, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna get somebody, you're, you're going to attack them. You see that sign, you're like, ooh, whenever I attack her, if I try to take advantage of her, if I do anything in that, um, you know, some young men under the sound of my voice need to hear me right now. You need to be under the covenant. You need to be under the covering of the Holy Spirit for the protection that it brings. Because he will. He will protect you. You may have grown up without that covering, but he is there. 
come up under him. And he'll make sure nobody messes with you. He'll take care of you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll love you. He'll restore you. Amen? Authority, that ring, I'm talking about the ring that he had. The authority can be misused. Haman does that with the Jews. And he usurps the king's authority and begins to use it for twisted reasons. However, the real ring, the authority of God, he wants you to have that. And let me preach to you a little bit here. I know like, it seems like I'm getting away from a main point, but I'm not. See, because there's a reason why he put a ring on him. There's, there's a reason why he put a ring on this child or this young man, this son, this, uh, this you know, wayward one. He puts the ring on him. He says, there are some things that are going to come your way. You need to have this. You need to have the authority to deal with. There are some things that you need to wear my authority, the spiritual authority, because whenever you become a child of God, there are some things that you are no longer to tolerate in your life. There are some things that no longer have any place uh, bothering you anymore. There are some things that you can take um, authority and control and power in the name of Jesus over. There are addictions that now, uh, they they did control you, they did have you, and now it's kind of over because now you put on the ring and now there's authority vested in your life. There's some stuff that just doesn't belong in your life anymore. And you have the power through Jesus Christ to declare freedom and to rebuke those things. In Jesus' mighty name, he gave you a ring of authority. I remember, uh, I remember there was a, uh, a time when I, was, when I played basketball a lot more than I do now. I'm good for about once, twice a year. And I played basketball, and I played for our team. I'm trying to think if there's anybody who I would have played against or with, so i got to watch myself here. Maybe you for one year, but I think I'm good. But we played against a, you know, a Huber Heights Christian. Um, so you know, this Christian school in Huber Heights, and uh, and I was, I was, I, you're the coach. I was balling, wasn't I? I mean, I don't want to lie, Darian. Like, I don't want, and I don't want to puff myself. I was balling. Um, that it was, it was a good, it was a good. Ben, like Ben's a better ball player than me, but I was balling that day. I, I was, I, I, I was, I was coming, I'm coming up on 40 points in that game, and they figured a way to to shut me down. And so, like, you know, like, I was, I was just kind of getting through, you know, and just, you know, scoring left and right. And so they got this little guy on the JV squad. He was adorable. You know, this kid, you know, right? Uh, you know, he was a little bitty. He's like, little, he's, aw. And so they sent him in there, and he starts fouling the daylights out of me. Just whack, 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 smacking my hands and arms, like tackling me. But everybody, because he was so little, was like, oh, look at him out there. And I'm like, dude, he's shutting me down. I can't move. Like, he's, he's, he's hitting me. He's stomping on my toes. He's like, he's hitting me, he's hitting me, he's hitting me. And, and I couldn't play because there was something very small in front of me. I was so much bigger than, and it was shutting me down for about a half a quarter. What are you laughing at? I was getting shut down. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's easy. Um, I was getting shut down, and I couldn't score. And I got so frustrated, Johnny. And I went to, and, and so I stopped by the coach, the other coach, uh, whatever his name is. And I said, hey, man, um, he's got to stop fouling me. Oh, just play ball. Oh. And so it happened a couple more times. And, and I had bruises and marks on my arm, like, you know, where I was getting clawed. But he was so little, the refs wouldn't call nothing on him. And I stopped by one more time. And I said, I said, Coach, I'm going to run him over if you don't pull him off me. And I'm not kidding. And this is, you know, this is not, this is before sanctification. 
Um, and he come out there, and everyone's like, oh, go, Bobby, whatever his name was. I don't care. Like, he's just he's like, come on. And so he comes out there, and all, you know, all the other, like, you know, six foot five, six, six guys out there, and you got one little guy out there, you know, and it's just, like, it's a wonderful Disney story looking thing. Not on my end. And so I, I gave him one last chance, and the next time I brought the ball down, I walked up him. Like, I stepped on his foot, <laughs> and then he fell back, and I stepped on his leg, and I stepped on his chest, and then I just kept going over him, and then he, I didn't hurt him. And he said, Coach, take me out. Take me out. <laughs> and then we went on to play ball because he was cheating. Like, he was hitting me. Like, he was fouling my arms. Like, stop looking. Stop drawing back on me. That wasn't nice. And I, I wouldn't do it now because I'm sanctified. But I did. I walked. I walked. I remember walking up his body. Um, and, he, and he just, he didn't foul me no more. And I realized that I had to do that. I had to take authority over this little man's who is shutting me down, not through ability or strength or power or skill. He was shutting me down. And let me tell you something right now. You ready to preach? You've heard my foolishness. You ready to preach? There are some little things that have no power or authority or strength, right, or size, or ability to shut down the anointing in your life, and you are letting them beat you half to death. You're letting them walk all over there. You're smacking, smacking you, beating you up. Walk on it. Walk over those things. Get yourself uh, into a prayer room. Get the anointing around you. Get some people praying for you. Miss a meal or two fast. And let's rise up in the name of Jesus. Take authority over spirits. Take authority over tax on your family. Take authority over addiction, over pride, over things in your life. They have no authority. You should see how foolish you look, you mighty man of God. You powerhouse of anointing. You favored daughter of God. What is you doing? What are you doing? You got this, you got this midget of a trial. You got this teeny tiny thing that is beating you half to death. Walk on it. Come against it in the name of Jesus. It's time for you to be who you're called to be. It's time for you to score. It's time for you to affect the outcome of the game. It's time for you to take authority over the things in your life that are keeping you from being who you're supposed to be in God. You can. And you know why? That. That thing. Not in your own strength. Not by might. Not by power, saith the Lord. But through His authority. I came to preach today. I hope you came, I, I hope you came to, to interact, to receive, because I came to preach. God is tired of seeing that thing swat, and he's saying, he is in the stands. The Bible says, not only that, is he in the stands? Like, brother, can you check me if I'm wrong here? Doesn't he say that there's a bunch of people in the stands? Is that a real scripture, or am I just crazy? Full stands. Full bleachers in heaven. That's what the Bible really actually says. We are surrounded, encompassed by so great a cloud of witnesses, the Bible says packed stands and God is saying run him over <laughs> amen? amen run it over what are you doing what are you doing I've got I packed everything into the anointing that I packed in you everything I shed my blood on Calvary and you're walking in authority I put a robe of righteousness on you I put a ring of authority on your finger I put sandals on your feet I fed you provided for you run the thing over
and let's move. Anyway, Whew, we're only 50% done. It's okay. These, are, these both are short, though. Laney always knows the right time to laugh at me. I said, we're 50% done. She said, hit. He doesn't just leave it at the ring, right? What's he do? Put some shoes on his feet. All right? Put some shoes on him. It's so easy to just glide past that, right? But there's something powerful, and we're going to mine it out right now. I, I, I am not the deepest preacher in the world. You probably figure this out now. Um, but I think in my little mind, in my mind's eye, you don't put shoes on feet that don't got nowhere to go. You got a destiny. You got a calling on your life. You got a purpose in the name of Jesus. I hope something just broke in the spirit right there. He don't put shoes on feet that weren't meant to walk. And he doesn't mean for you to walk without a path. And he don't have a path without a destiny and a purpose. He put the shoes on the feet because the feet were called to walk. Bow your heads, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Holy Spirit. I pray right now over that word that it is forced down through the pain, through the scar tissue, through everything else, and that it reaches the heart. And in due season, it is going to blossom in anointing and power. That word right there in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Let's continue. Sometimes you got to give it a little more oomph. Amen. Do you agree? purpose and destiny. God, don't put shoes on feet that don't have a path to travel or mountains to climb, buddy. And he has shoes for you. Now, lastly, the fatted calf. Fatted calf. I'm not trying to flex on you guys, but I did get to eat some Wagyu the other day that somebody else bought. You know, this has worked its way into several of my sermons. You know, it's like a high-grade beef, really delicious, and then somebody who raises them had actually let me, I never bought it, you know, um, but uh, it's above my pay grade, but I did get to eat some of that. So I can speak authoritatively on the fatted calf today. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I got popped all my teeth out and still been able to chew that meat. That was awesome. It was great. It was tender. It was delicious. You are not being assigned the sloppy seconds of God's kingdom because of your failures, your shortcomings, your misgivings. There's plenty of the best that God's got for you. He said, kill the fatted calf. Go get it. Let, let, let's party. Let's, let's do this. Let, let, let's bless this young man. Let's bre- My son who has come home. This speaks to God's favor and provision. His favor and provision. I'm almost done here. I told you this would be real short. Um, <clears throat> God has something for you. He has provision for you. He has an anointing for you. He has favor. What does favor mean? Favor. Favor. That means he wants to uh, he wants to give you good and powerful interactions 
aligned interactions with man and with God. That is what the favor of God does. It will align and bless your interactions. There are some people here, and I'm going to say this right now. You can call me charismatic if you want to on your own time, not right now. Um, that God has an anointing on your life that you're not functioning in because you don't know that that exists, really. But God has an anointing for business and for growing and for touching things and for stewardship over your life. And he wants to bless you in that. And he wants you to be a kingdom builder in that. He wants you to facilitate things. Guess what? Uh, these lights don't stay on for free. Right? Um, you know, whenever, whenever God needs to move, whenever he wants to build, whenever he wants to do outreach, whenever he wants to bless and build the kingdom, when he wants to do missions work, uh, that, they, they, don't, they don't just accept prayers at the airport, right? Men of God need to be anointed, need to be called, women of God, um, to, to operate in favor, not for your own flesh and for your own, just so you can have super nice things, but God does want you to walk in favor and blessing. He is, listen, he's a fatted calf kind of God. Right? It didn't have to be that way, right? You're like, hey, get the cheap one. You know, get the, get the, get the skinny one, get the, you know, the weird one, the one with three horns. You know, bring that in. We want to save money. You know? I, I, for sure, a lot of you Trinitarian, Pentecostal, uh, traditional churches, that is so deeply ingrained in the mindsets. <laughs> like, oh, get, the, get the worst one, get the skinny one. Let's save some money. You know? He didn't say that. That's not what he wanted. That's not what he said. He could have. He could have said, yeah, let's just, you know, get the, get the goat. <laughs> let's kill the goat, you know, and then just like, you know, or don't, don't, don't put out the good silverware. You know, don't put it, you know, what are you doing here? How you made of money? There are dads like that. Now, doesn't that sound like a dad? Like, like yeah, bring the other robe, the old one, the, the, the extra one. It's not God. He's not that kind of heavenly father. Kill the fatted calf, bring out the best robe, get that big old ring, the one that weighs you down. <laughs> All of it. Yeah. The ring is a symbol. It's not a piece of jewelry. It is a signet. It's a signet of authority. Give them shoes. I say, why does he need shoes, God? Because he's got places to be. Why does he need a ring? Because he's got authority. He's going to take authority over things in his life. And, and, and as things go forward, he's going to manifest my authority in his dealings. Amen. I know we all have battles and struggles, but stop walking through stuff that you've got authority over. Stop stop living getting beat on by things that you've got authority over. Again, the older brother says, you never killed a goat for me. This is important. Let, let me let me, um, me and Derek were talking uh, last night and he was talking about the uh, <clears throat> um, the pastor there in Oklahoma. He said something really, really good. He said this, this message you know, that Jesus is teaching has a lot to do with Pharisees, recovering Pharisees. Um, because they don't understand this. They don't understand the concepts here. What was the really good saying? What was it? The other one. Come on, man. The whole service is going to fall apart if you don't remember this right now. No one's going to get saved. So much pressure. What was it? We need you. I'm kidding. <laughs> Wouldn't that, doesn't that make everybody else in the building terrified? <laughs> I'm kidding. So he was talking, he was, he was doing, you know, just some, some really good teaching about how it was the Pharisees that, he, that he's talking to in this passage of scripture, this fatted calf that he feeds everyone. And then the young, the older brother says, you never did nothing for me. You know, I, I never got, and, uh, and, and here's what I think that he meant whenever he rebukes the older brother. He said, you've never missed a meal. 
I didn't kill a fatted calf for you because you've never been hungry in your life, boy. That ought to sink in on somebody right there. That I have provided for you. I have anointed you. I have walked with you. I've been there. Like, you, you've eaten from my table. You've eaten from my table. Like, you, you've never even missed a meal. You're worried about me killing the fatted calf for this guy who is literally starving to death when you ain't missed a meal, you know, in, in a long time. You've been blessed. You've been anointed. You've walked in my favor. And everything that I have is yours. And you still want to begrudge this poor, hungry soul. I rebuke the spirit of religion, of pharisaical religion, over this church, over our lives. Amen. But the most important thing, here, you know, what's, the, what's the end of the message? How are we going to wrap it all up? There are a lot, a lot, a lot of things that uh, God has for you once you come home. But you've got to come home. So there are, there are two segments, two people that God, or two, not, I don't know if two people, but definitely two veins of thought, two things that the Holy Spirit is saying right now. And the first one is, come home. Receive my grace, receive salvation. Come home, child. I don't want you for a servant. I want you for a son. I want you for a daughter. Come home. And some people don't need that because they've already received that. And this is what you need. I'm dead serious here. Lean in just for a second. Almost done. You're back. Awesome. Glad to see you. Welcome in. Pass the calf. Pass the beef. Let's party. But you need to understand that it wasn't just about the embrace. It wasn't just about getting saved. You think you don't deserve to be anointed, to be called, to be used because of your mistakes. Even though now you've been saved, you're still disqualified from any of the other good stuff, right? Nope, 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 nope. He said, bring the best robe because you're now righteous. You have my righteousness. Bring the ring because you have authority. You have anointing in your life that is available and it is for you. And bring out them shoes. Some people need to accept the ring today. Some people need to accept the embrace today. That's the stage you're in. Some people need to accept the robe today. And one person, at least on the sound of my voice, needs to accept the shoes. God has a purpose and a plan for you. So as we bow our heads, if you're a believer, you're where you're supposed to be, God is moving, he's operating in you, then join me, partner with me spiritually to pray that God will move unhindered um, through the rest of the service.